My best practice is just calling up sales reps that are disgruntled. Tell me why. Why? Like, what's so, what's painful about your life? You know, what, what's going on operationally that you just hate doing? And that's I find a lot of the innovation just comes from listening to sales. I think sometimes RevOps leaders can be ivory towerish and just force stuff upon salespeople. Here's your comp plan, and here's your territory, and that, you have to take it, and that's what it is. Welcome to RevOps Rockstars in Pursuit of Unicorns. I'm David Carnes. And I'm Jaren Chu. Join us as we interview RevOps leaders to explore the challenges they have faced, the biggest lessons they've learned, and what they think makes a RevOps Rockstar. This show is brought to you by OpFocus on a mission to help companies run their businesses better by letting you focus on growth while we scale your operations. Let's get this show on the road. Today's guest is someone we're really eager to talk with. He's a strategic sales and operations leader. He was recognized by Utah's 2020 business executive, 40 under 40. He helped Qualtrics go from a $1 billion unicorn to an $8 billion SAP acquisition. Chief Operating Officer, Go-To-Market Operations, Cody Guyman. Welcome, Cody, to the podcast. David, Jaron, thanks for having me. I'm excited to be here. Big fan of the podcast. So Cody, let's get right to it. What's something in RevOps that you had to learn the hard way? Territories. Anyone in RevOps knows sales territories are, are really, really a big pain. So I got thrust into it in my first experience in RevOps. That's what I was. I was a territory manager creating sales territories across the globe. And it's, it's a difficult thing for sure. Um, there's no like exact science. There's no playbook to go you know, read up on how to go do this. So I just relied a lot on sales leaders to help guide me through that, what they've seen work, what are the best reps doing, um, and, and grab some tidbits there. And thankfully had a, a statistician on the team that decided to be able to do some predictive analytics on accounts and some predictive scoring model type stuff. And we kind of lucked out into getting territories right uh, early on at Qualtrics, but it, it's a beast. Those are really hard. We take months at times, and we were able to thankfully take a three month process and automate it down to, you know, six minutes at the annual turn now. So it's, it's, it's a fun, fun deal, but very, very difficult. And when you're doing that, you're going through the territory alignment, realignment process. What are the key goals of that? Are you trying to achieve fairness or what, what are you trying to achieve? Yeah, lots of goals here. So fairness and equity is one of them. You need to make sure that each rep at their given tier has the same chance to go hit their quota as their peer next to them. You don't want, you know, one, one rep that has 80 accounts and they're all customers, you know, that's an AE5 sitting next to another AE5 that has one customer and 42 accounts. It's not going to be fair. So there's a balancing act. There's fairness that needs to happen, but ultimately the goal of territories is for every rep to be successful and hit their quota and have the chance to do so. And then at the company level, it works out at the company level because we'll go crush our goals with that. But there's that that's definitely one of them, fairness, equity, and then giving a chance for success for everybody. I've never heard, Cody, of a statistician being part of the territory planning process. I suspect that's unique to Qualtrics, uh, just given the, the nature of the business and, and what Qualtrics did. Um, tell me a little bit more about what kind of analyses they ran in analyzing the accounts and analyzing the patches to ensure fairness. Yeah. So thankfully we have a staff session at Workado where I'm at now as well. And we're, we're implementing the same, the same practice here. 
But, uh, but what you're doing is you're doing a predictive spend model on your account. So you're looking at your historic data and you're looking at, you know, what accounts are spending and what industries, and you, you can basically load up a lot of variables into any stats-based product. So R or Python, and you can do a predictive spend outcome. And you can kind of balance that and segment your customers and prospects uh, based on that output. And then you can start to create, you know, fairness across across the globe in that route. So, you know, for those that are, you know, stats nerds out there like myself, uh, the package is, is, is called Random Forest in R. I got that early tidbit from someone at a at a conference in the early days in RevOps, and they told me that practice. It's basically like a tree-based stats package that you can use to, to get that outcome. Wow. I, this makes me want to know a little bit more about, uh, you mentioned Workado ha, has a statistician as well, a little bit more about the team and, and of course, then your role. Um, paint me a picture first, because Workado is a, is a really well-known brand now, works across many industries, uh, provides all sorts of automation, integration, orchestration services. Um, I think you're coming up close to a thousand employees and you got your series E most recently in 2021. Um, how big is the size of the operations RevOps specifically, uh, team that you're working with and what kind of functions does that headcount kind of spread out into? Yeah. Team here is about 22. So a, a small lean team and, and it spans multiple functions. So it's all of your, your traditional sales ops as well as marketing ops partner ops and CS ops. So it's really bringing all of the ops orgs together that interact with the revenue side of the business and making sure we break down silos, coordinate together and that sort of thing. The statistician that I'm referring to, the title is actually data scientist. So a lot of people will hire data scientists on their analytics teams. And actually at Workado, he runs our go-to-market analytics and insights team, but, but most data scientists or what I've found from data scientists are, are trained in statistics or have some basic understandings. And then that helps them be able to code and, and put together, put together those, uh, those models. You mentioned um, having sales ops, marketing ops, partner ops, and CS ops. And it's really exciting every time I hear CS ops, because I feel like that's kind of the um, forgotten child of RevOps for many companies. Uh, mm -hmm. I think a lot of them have a legacy, maybe starting out in sales ops, um, occasionally having the marketing ops function, and then less so partner and CS ops. Tell me a little bit more about um, how you're measuring each of those functions and the success within them. Yeah. So for myself, I tie myself to the company number. I think if the company, you know, the, is successful, then then overall I'm doing my job. But at each of the functional units, they're going to be tied to the functions that they support. So even within sales ops, we have people that will support, uh, you know, specifically just EMEA. Our field ops, field ops director of EMEA would be tied to the EMEA number. And, uh, you know, the CS ops would be tied to the overall macro goals of CS, whether it's around renewal rate or in some cases, expansion or consumption. So what we really try to do is get the alignment in RevOps with the organization that each functional leader supports and, and make sure that those metrics and things that we're tracking at the company level, they, they don't compete with one another, right? So one of the, one of the groups in my organization is go to market comp plans. And so go to market compensation, right? And so you're putting together comp plans for CS and sales and SDRs and the partner team and, and everybody, right? Pre-sales, post-sales, so that you can really make sure that we're going to work in harmony together in that customer journey. 
and it, the, the drivers of what people are getting paid in their variable pay, uh, they don't compete. That there's the, you know, we have the clean metrics across the board. And so therefore that's what we're really tying that, that compensation or measurement to is how each of those units are doing. Yeah, that makes a ton of sense. And it sounds like in this case, you know, Forrester uh, had put out kind of three different models of how most companies think about RevOps. There is the Alliance of the Willing, there's the Centrally Organized, and then there's the kind of uh, not exactly existing sort of model. And in your case, it is centrally organized, but you're also very clear about ensuring that each of those sub-teams have incentives and have targets that are directly related to the internal stakeholders that they support. Absolutely. Yeah. So each of the groups, they really, they'll hardline to me operationally because there's, there's a lot of benefit there, but they dotted line into the functional leader support. So the CS, you know, head of CS ops, you know, dotted lines is the head of CS and they, they work in tandem and pair to drive outcomes and then hardlines to me to where we can bring in, you know, some of the operational rigor and standardization across the company that will scale efficiently. Cody, your title is Chief Operating Officer, GTM Operations. That's uh, quite a unique title. We usually uh, speak to folks who explicitly might have RevOps in their name, and we are starting to see more uh, GTM Ops as a title in the folks that we're reaching out to. Can you help paint me a picture? What does your day-to-day actually entail? Yeah. So right now, you know, it's February. This is the annual turn. You know, our, our, our fiscal ends January 31st. So right now, this is everything from territories getting out globally to comp plans, like I just talked about getting administered, quotas being set, targets being set at the company level, um, a whole host of all that stuff. SKOs happening. Who's going to cloud? We got to pick the winners. There's data and analysis that goes into all of that. We have a value selling, um, methodology boot camp that's coming up and I'm actually leaving tomorrow to go to Spain to be able to go to that do that for the Europe team but there's so much going on which is what I love uh, and it changes every day I think that RevOps has seasons the annual turn season you know two months three months before the annual turn and two to three months after is intense uh operational execution and then I think you get into the next six months, which is really innovative. That's the time that I love. I love to execute. It's great to be there for, for the org to make sure we're getting all of this stuff dialed in. But, you know, I really, really enjoy the innovation, right? The, the data science predictive modeling happens in the innovation time period. The Workato automations in RevOps that makes life easier for sales reps. That type of stuff happens in the innovation season. And so... They, Day-to-day changes the time, and that's what I love about the job. Wow. I I, I often have that question um, for RevOps leaders, which is how do you balance that strategy versus execution, right? Because so much of what RevOps is successful is because we're so good at executing. But yeah. the truly forward-looking RevOps organizations are able to really take the time away from just the, the, the running of, right, the running in. And they're able to kind of take that 50,000 foot view and analyze trends, recognize um, potentially signals that the rest of the business doesn't get to do. You mentioned uh, the seasonality of RevOps. I'm wondering when you get into that time for strategic thinking and planning, are there any kinds of um, practices, rituals, things that you personally employ to help make sure that you have that mind space to do that big picture thinking? Yeah. Yeah. I think that you've first off got to start giving yourself time 
to do it. So I, I, I will literally block an hour of time, two hours of time to think about it um, during the day and, and kind of step back, right? You have to see the forest from the trees, like you're talking about. You have to be able to get back and see that, that big picture view. And, and my best practice is just calling up sales reps that are disgruntled. Tell me why, why, like what's so, what's painful about your life? You know, what, what's going on operationally that you just hate doing. And that's, I find a lot of the innovation just comes from listening to sales. I think sometimes RevOps leaders can be ivory towerish and just force stuff upon salespeople. Here's your comp plan and here's your territory and that you have to take it. And that's what it is. I'm the, like the exact opposite. If there's a spectrum of that, I am like in the trenches with salespeople. Um, talking to them about everything. And so for me, I find a lot of innovation comes from just listening and, and then, and then using the operational expertise that we have or the tools that we have at our, at our disposal to then go make whatever the suggestion is from the sales leader or sales rep, we go innovate to make it actually happen and sometimes make it happen faster. Um, so, so anyways, those, those are, those are some of my best practices. Really, really good advice uh, to listen and to be in there with the end users, uh, get, take their feedback, especially when they're unhappy. And that's uncomfortable yeah. sometimes, right? Yeah. 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 Um, with this many kinds of roles and functions and tasks that uh, you have in in the department, um, I suspect you have a good opinion and approach on what kinds of things you try to keep in-house uh, in terms of go-to-market operations and RevOps, what kinds of things you might want to actually consider external help, especially when the team is growing. How do you kind of balance in-house versus outsource work? Yeah, I think uh, outcomes and speed are the ones that I prioritize, right? So if it's something's going to have high impact and, and we need it quickly and it's going to take a while to build, we'll go buy it. I mean, that just, we need, it's time to value, right? It's time to market. So for us in operations, if it's a, if there's a product that exists in the space that we, that we need and we can go buy it quickly at an affordable price, you know, and saves us time, then that's super important. I think you see that mostly across SaaS where there's super hyper growth. Um, you know, a lot of times you're, you're not, you're not growing five to 10% and you have all this time on your hands to go figure out, you know, how to build stuff and, and get, you know more cost-effective. You're going to probably buy, buy some things quicker if there's, if the value's there. And so for me, that's usually what, what I'll do. If, if I want to build something, it could be something that's longer term. Some of the, the most, uh, you know, I use an urgent and important matrix with a lot of projects that I put. And if it's urgent and important, we probably are going to buy if there's something there. If it's uh, not as urgent and super important, we'll probably build. Like if we have time and we can put that in the seasons where we're innovating and we want to go build, we'll go do it. So I think for me, I'm, I'm balancing kind of urgent and, and important. All right, little, little known trivia is that OpFocus actually had an app on Salesforce's app exchange that allowed you to uh, basically graph out all your activities or tasks as urgent versus important. And uh, nice. it was early days of visual force. We thought it was pretty cool. Uh, MJ and I on our, our team, who's our SVP of technology, I wrote it out on a napkin and said, I think, I think this would be helpful to people. <laughs> so, Very helpful. I think, I think that's, that's uh, I, I preach that all the time. That's, yeah, that's, that's with my theme to prioritize. That's where we go after urgent, important. So you were talking about outcomes earlier when thinking about big outcomes, uh, corporate level cross-functional initiatives. Uh, can you share with us what 
types of initiatives within Workado that you and your team own that are that big across the entire organization? Yeah, I think, you know, the annual plan that's going to the board, the numbers across the board, how are we going to get there with NRR? The metrics that matter now, right? I think your uh, rule of 40 really matters now and how you're going to get there and the right balanced approach that you're going to take. Uh, your NRR goals uh, that matter. A, a lot of private companies are starting to key into what matters on the public market as the dynamics have shifted in the last 12 months. And so, you know, from the RevOps perspective, coming in and being able to provide guidance and a path to get there and numbers behind it. I mean, massive company-wide initiative uh, for, for RevOps for sure. And I'm curious, uh, so you're uh, <clears throat> newer to the organization. Congratulations. That's uh, pretty exciting. Uh, I'm trying to think how many board cycles you might have uh, had an opportunity to do this next uh, question that I have for you. Uh, like, Do you interface with the board uh, or the investors? For I do. Yeah. Yeah. I've got my first one in March. So I'm super excited about it. It'll be the, the first time that, that I've had it here at Workado. Uh, we definitely will, I'll be in the room. We prep the board deck, you know, we're, we're facil facilitating that collection of, of board slides and data and all of that stuff across the company and, and really crafting the narratives and, and all of that stuff when it comes to the board. Oh, that's great. It's so interesting. Do you have a suggestion for how early or a preference for how early you and your team start working on the, on that? Yes. We like to start prepping it as soon as the quarter ends. So as soon as the quarter quarter ends, we have roughly six weeks. And so we kind of go backwards on a Gantt chart from there and you know what we need right off the bat, the data as we as we do the close on the year, the quarter with finance, and we start loading things in at that point. And we'll really dial it in and have a, a polished V1 version of the deck, you know, a week to two weeks before the board meeting so that we can meet on it and discuss the the contents and where, where we might need to double click a little bit. And then we're going to grab some more data and fine tune that thing. But I, I personally, I, I'm early. I love to prep early. I don't like to wait to the last minute. It gives me too much stress and anxiety. So I'm, I'm as soon as the quarter ends, I'm jumping in. So while we're on the topic of reporting, where, where do you go to get an at-a-glance view of how uh, the business is, how things are going for the business? Yeah. So forecasting tool, first and foremost for me, I think if you've got a good one, we're a boost up shop here at Workado. I used uh, the Clary at Qualchicks, but, but a forecasting um, tool that gives you some insights and, and maybe even some predictions on where you're going to land for the quarter or future quarters, what your pipeline coverage is, what, what leaders are calling in their business, where we think there might be risk. There's so much insights that can come from a forecasting tool. I and mean, then we use Sigma for our reporting needs and BI needs. And so, you know, we've got 10 foundational reports that we're kind of looking at there. And so I think between the two systems, you know, maybe some Salesforce dashboards in there, we, we can kind of see, uh, see the holistic business. Oh, that's so great. All right. So I, I have a very important question for you. Uh, so early in my career, I worked for three software companies. In the olden days, we called it eating your own dog food. Nowadays, I think we might refer to it as drinking your own champagne. I'm really curious, what are some ways that you use Workato to solve RevOps needs internally? Yeah, I'm, I'm learning a ton about this as I'm joining the company, right? I've been here four months, but I love what I'm seeing so far. So think about some pain points that are typical in RevOps. The ones that pop to mind are, you know, lead routing, lead scoring. And that Workato does that automatically in the background. You don't have to 
you know, worry and have people manually do that. You can put whatever scoring model you have and connect the systems together and do some lead routing and lead scoring. That's one, you know, one example. Another one, Salesforce hygiene, uh, you know, I hate past due close dates on deals. You know, you're coming in the quarter and it has a close date from a month ago. You can ping reps in Slack, you know, through the integration and just say the day that it's past due, hey, your, your date is past due. What's the new close date? You put something in Slack and it feeds back into Salesforce. And now you have a lot better hygiene because your forecast is only really going to be as good as your hygiene is. And so the, the easier we can make that for sales is the better. So think if that's one example on hygiene that you can do, um, you know, past due close date, but there's a million others that RevOps leaders know that they'd love to clean up. It's about serving it simply and easily for sales reps so that they can quickly, you know, on their phone at Slack, uh, be able to, to handle that um, on the fly. And, and the other, another one is like uh, approvals with deal desk, you know, it's super easy to integrate Slack and, and Salesforce through Workfato and, and, and tee that up. So the end of the quarter, rather than having to go check, you know, all these emails and then open up Salesforce and then go find the approval. But, it, you know, you got to do it on desktop version because it's way easier to do that than on, uh, on the email. You can literally just get Slack. And, it, and it'll pull up all the deal, uh, you know, the things about the deal that matter. What are the payment terms? What's the deal size? You know, any special exception that's making it up to myself, COO or CRO. And, and, and you just literally press approve or throw a comment back on why you wouldn't approve it. And so those are, those are a couple examples that I'd give on how, you know, Workado is drinking its own Kool-Aid. But I think what's exciting is that the possibilities are endless. It's really any, any manual task as an operator that you don't love or, or that salespeople don't really love doing. It's about integrating the apps and automating them and, uh, and Workado is world-class at that. Yeah, it seems like with Workado, you have an opportunity to really tighten up each step of the RevOps, the flow of information through RevOps. And we see it in so many interesting ways, whether it's enrichment or like you're talking about with Slack. Uh, so many interesting ways to do callouts and improve the information as it's flowing through the the operations. Absolutely. And for me, as an operations leader, I remember early days in my career where so much of what I was doing was just copying and pasting things from a spreadsheet to slides and reformatting it and manual tasks, right? And that, that doesn't give me a ton of joy. I love the strategic. I love the thought about what the numbers are actually saying, not putting them in the slides. You can automate a Google slide template to feed from live data and like QBR decks. We all do QBRs, right? You can press a button and the QBR deck's done because it's feeding in all of the automated data into a template and it's all automated on Workado. And so for me, just in general, the possibilities are endless. And where I start with is like, what do I not enjoy about my job that's manual? And where can I free up time for my whole organization to be innovating? Because that's really, as you both know, as you've interviewed tons of RevOps leaders, that's what separates really good operations teams from ones that just execute. It's really the innovation. What are you doing differently than other people? How did you get ahead so much quicker? And if we can automate or use statistics or scoring models or whatever, that's really what separates, I think, really world-class operations teams from the pack. And what you're saying gets me really excited because um, 
the the idea that hey the technology now is becoming mature enough to not only help our end users the folks on the front line right sales sales users marketing users uh, customer success users but the people who are supporting them behind the scenes like RevOps are now also getting our suite of updates with with the plus of um, automation with the plus of being able to take a lot of those manual processes away from our day to day so that we can actually focus on the forest like you said. If we look at RevOps more broadly and things that we are also, that you are looking forward to, what do you think will be the next big disruption or next big blessing, however you might want to frame it, to RevOps that will transform uh, folks' lives in RevOps? Yeah, I think we're at a really interesting time in the RevOps space. I think I saw a report recently that, you know, revenue operations is one of the the highest occupations hired in the last year, you know, it's climbing the charts. And so with that comes a lot of tech that's trying to become the RevOps platform, right? And we're seeing that across a, a, across the globe. We're seeing so many companies becoming not just a forecasting tool, but trying to also be the out, outbound prospecting tool, the data enrichment tool, the BI tool, right? And you start to see a lot of people jumping into that. I mean, you see Clary, you see Gong, you see Outreach. They're, they're starting to meld into similar companies where they're, they're doing everything now. No one's like, you're not functionally just the best at forecasting. You're now trying to also be functionally best at, at outbound, right? And so I think what we're going to see is a lot of consolidation in the space and a winner emerge. And I'm excited to see who the winner is. I think it's a uh, it's going to be fun and exciting to see who emerges from the pack. But right now, I would say we're in a spot where each company still has their domain expertise. It's where they started. It's the bread and butter. It's what they started. And whoever can get the parity on the other one's quickest, probably going to pull ahead. And so I think what we'll see in the industry is some consolidation, probably a one tool that can do everything for RevOps leaders that, that will emerge. And that's going to be fun to watch. Yeah, and we saw that similar kind of uh, evolution in the last, I would say, you know, prior ten years when it came to Martech solutions, right? Um, yeah. Different tools that traditionally did forms all day long or email all day long ended up, of course, adopting you know what we now consider to be bread and butter marketing operations or marketing automation functionality. So that horizontal integration, I think, is um, inevitable. When you think about Cody, your your uh, job and the things that you still have to do more manually or be more involved in, is there something that you wish there was a tool out there or a vendor out there who could also like take that piece of your job uh, off your plate so that you can actually do more of that strategic thinking? I would love it if somebody could design a tech around deal disputes and rules of engagement. That would be ideal. I, 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 you know, that that's part of the job that I don't love, right? You get a big global deal and, it, you know, it's a lead in one country and move to another one, but they, you know, whatever it is, right? Everybody's got a rules of engagement, something that they're following on deal splits. And, and oftentimes I've got to be, you know, the judge and the jury on those and decide what the split's going to be or who gets credit. And, you know, you stay at a company long enough, you, you really start to upset a lot of people. So for me, I, you know, try and balance that out, try and be as fair and practical as I can, try and default to the rules, kind of like law, you know, case law would be. But, but for me, if there was a tool that could just handle all of that and I never had to deal with that part of my job, that'd be fantastic. 
I love it. So probably one of our listeners out there is an aspiring entrepreneur and can <clears throat> lean in and go solve that, take some funding yes. and become the next unicorn. Yes, I love it. So, so Cody, we'd like to shift and, and talk a bit about you. So you are raising your family in Eagle Mountain, Utah. That sounds like an incredibly beautiful place. Yeah. Yeah, it's wonderful. I, I grew up in the East Bay in Livermore, California, but I've been in Utah 18, 19 years now. So uh, it's a fantastic state. I love it. I've got a wife and three kids. We live in Eagle Mountain at you know, 30 minutes from everything, but it's also 30 minutes away from everything too, which I love. So it's, it's, it's a rural place out here in Utah, but it's growing pretty big and, and uh, we enjoy it. Beautiful mountains, snow, all that good stuff. Oh, that's so great. You did an undergraduate in finance at the University of Utah. You did an MBA at the University of Utah. Your prior position, you were COO of global sales at Qualtrics. So I'm curious, take us back. How did you get into SaaS RevOps in the first place? I think most RevOps people would say they stumbled into it. I didn't, I definitely didn't graduate from my finance undergrad and say that I want to go into RevOps. And I don't even know if that was an actual title at the time. So I don't think it was, uh, but, but anyways, I'll let you know the journey. I started off uh, doing some consulting. That's where I started out. The first kind of real job was doing consulting and and really developed a good skill set, I would say, in just Excel and PowerPoint and presenting and things of that nature that consulting does well. But I, I, I didn't love the, the consulting business where I'd pass over the slide deck and hope and pray somebody that could uh, implement what I just spent months doing um, in that slide deck. I wanted to see it end to end. So I knew from there I wanted to get into something where I could operationally execute, not just do the strategy side. So. I, uh, I, that's where I jumped into tech and it kind of worked my way around. I think I naturally gravitated towards sales people. And so, uh, I really, like most of my friends were in sales, uh, but, but I had kind of an affinity for analytics and insights and like figuring out how to help sales do better. I didn't love the risk of the, the high, uh, variable pay and commission structure. I grew up, uh, grew up kind of on and off of, uh, food stamps and government assistance. And so I've, I'm kind of risk averse when it comes to money. I'd rather take a little bit less, you know, give me a smooth paycheck that I can budget against that's stable. And like that brings me comfort and happiness, right? So I, I wanted to be in sales a little bit and still have that desire. And I, I like to be customer facing things now in my role. But at the time I was averse to kind of going into, you know, 50% variable comp. And so I wanted to still help my friends go in. And so that's where I started to get into just sales ops at that time as an analyst, you know, maybe a senior analyst and, and work into an operations leader from there, just in sales ops. And then, uh, you know, getting into to Qualtrics and being able to start kind of in territories and sales ops, you know, go to market strategy piece there was, it was fun. And then it kind of just one thing led to another. I don't know, like, you know, when you're on a hyper growth company and grateful for, you know, what I had at Qualtrics, right? We got acquired, like you mentioned at the beginning for 8 billion, then we spun off and went public at 27 billion. And, uh, you know, this is a wild ride. So if you're, if you, if you're doing your job well and you, you know, things come your way, you know, my advice would be to just take it, say yes to everything that people ask you to go do. And I just started taking it and kind of working my way up there. And, and ultimately, you know, was there for six years and, and led to my role over here. So I think I did not start out wanting to get into it, but I knew what I didn't like in my consulting days. I knew what I did like kind of finding 
who I wanted to interact with and be close to the revenue side, but maybe leverage some operational skill set and analytics skill set. So, so some really great advice there. And um, what what I'm kind of excited about for you is uh, I imagine the move over to Workado is potentially to just go do it all over again. Yeah, absolutely. I, I love love the team here. Um, really attracted about to the product. And, and what it does for people like us, our operations leaders, right? It frees us up to go do some really innovative, fun stuff. And so I love the product and it, it helps other departments, obviously, than just ops. But yeah, I, I you know, met the, the team here at Workato, the executive team. The BJ is fantastic, the founder CEO, as well as the entire deck team and, and really fell, fell in love with the people first and fell in love with the product and then saw the opportunity ahead and felt like this would be a good you know, a good place to go leverage what I learned and build up at Qualtrics and stumbled along the way. Maybe, you know, knowing what I know now could set it up right from the start and get things going a bit earlier, maybe that I could see around the corner uh, with it's going to, you know, what's going to happen at a billion in revenue, right? And so it's going to happen at 2000 sales reps, you know, and, and bring that philosophy down, you know, when there's 150 sales reps, right? And so you're just setting things up from the start rather than seeing them break later on. And so that, that all of that stuff really attracted me here. Well, and I hope before you get to that 2000 sales reps and beyond that you have that deal conflict software that you want to. Uh... <laughs> please, please. I'm looking for that one. I'll be a buyer <laughs> if anyone wants to develop it. Cody, I'm interested in a little bit of like introspective um, thoughts from you. And specifically what I mean by that is, I think your earliest RevOps role was uh, in healthcare and uh, in an intern position. And later on, you've taken also um, different kinds of RevOps roles uh, in kind of that extended healthcare space, eventually into um, kind of like smart home electronics. There's a manufacturing bent to it. And then, of course, you know, we've been talking about Qualtrics and Mercado in the last um, uh, 30 minutes or so. If you were to look back on that day one, of being in RevOps and maybe specifically in, in SaaS RevOps, what kind of advice would you give to yourself given where you are today? Great question. I would give myself the advice to nail it and scale it. Like you're going to start in some function of RevOps. It could be deal desk. It could be marketing ops analytics. It could be, um, you know, partner enablement. It doesn't really matter, right? You're going to, you're going to start somewhere. Just nail your core job and be world-class at it and then scale yourself. So as soon as you can give kind of what you've been doing and be able to hire someone and train them up to be able to do it so you can go focus on other things or if opportunities come your way, you know, I would always just say scale yourself, continue to do it. Like say yes to every opportunity, even if you don't feel prepared, none of us feel prepared. You're just going to figure it out as you go. So have confidence in yourself that you're going to be able to figure that out. And so, so nail it and scale it is kind of my mantra with, with RevOps in general, if you want to kind of progress. And then um, also just, yeah, I would say be close to sales and revenue and understand how it works. Understand how deals are coming in and, you know, ride shotgun with salespeople and, and go to marketing events and see like what's happening at them that's actually converting. Be curious. So another one, you know, advice would be to be curious, just try and figure it out. And, um, and I think that that, that bodes well for anyone. If you're at the right company, you got to be at the right company that's growing fast, 
you know, and you really do an excellent job at your core job and it gets noticed, you're going to have more thrown on your, on your plate. You're going to be able to progress and then, you know, good things happen. So I know you're going to be uh, nailing your core job in the the roles you're in today. And I know uh, you've been at Workado for um, coming up close to a half year. You know, there's going to be lots more to learn and lots more to be curious about. If we were to zoom out and think a bit more broadly about kind of your career um, trajectory and your bucket list items, what might be next uh, in an ideal world for you, Cody? Uh, or maybe what might yeah. be last, that, whichever That's way great. you want to answer it. Yeah. Yeah. Great question. I think right now, you know, you said I've only been here four months. So I've got a long runway here at Workado that I'm excited about. And you know, we're still private. So you're taking the public, the, the company public and then operating as a public company will be really exciting in my current role here and on the executive team. I think that, you know, zooming out what comes next after that at some point, whether at Workado or not, I'd love to be the president or CEO of a company and SaaS company, take them public, do do all of that fun stuff and lead lead an entire group. But, you know, when that happens and where it happens, you know, I've got a lot of runway here at Workado, but that would be probably the next step. Yeah, that sounds like a very, very exciting challenge. My last question here uh, about uh, really you as a person, Cody, is around what you do outside of work. Obviously work is a big part of our lives. You know, we spend uh, probably more than a third of it in front of the screen with our teams, but what do you do to unwind? What are the things outside that um, makes you, especially given where you are, where you live, uh, that that makes you feel like, wow, life is so beautiful. This is, this is a wonderful way to put things in context here at work. Yeah. My family, number one, I mean, life's beautiful. I've got a wife and three three kids that are great and healthy, so it's wonderful. We like to go explore Utah. Utah's a playground for people that like outdoors. So we've got one of those Airstream travel trailers. They're like one of those chrome Twinkies that's, you know, driving on the road there. And it's uh, that we go take, we go up into the mountains. We boondock, so we don't really go to like, you know, camp sites or RV parks. We go just in the middle of the mountain somewhere, bring a generator, and we just go explore the outdoors. So we, we do that for fun. I love the, the hike, you love to fish, love to hunt. Um, but we do that as a family, which is great. And, and then I love to explore the mountains in, in the winter and snowboard. My wife skis, the kids are skiing, they're young, but we're, we're getting them going already early. You like to unwind by just kind of disconnecting fully, getting into the middle of a mountain where you have no cell service, exploring the national parks. If you haven't been to Moab, go to Moab, uh, go to Zion National Park is amazing. You know, it's, it's a wonderful spot. It's kind of a playground for us. So that's what we love to do for fun. Sounds like you're in the perfect part of the world for all of those activities. I'm really happy for you and your family. Thank you. Yeah, I appreciate it. We love it out here. So Cody, where can people find you? Are you out on social media? How, if somebody wanted to follow you or reach out to you, how might they do that? Yeah. LinkedIn is great. So, so you can uh, find me on LinkedIn, connect with me, you know, and send me messages. But uh, sometimes we, you know, as we all know, we get overloaded as a run ops leader with messages and stuff that's coming into us. And sometimes I don't see it as well. So if you want to email me, uh, my email address is just my first and last name at gmail.com or Cody at workado.com. Either of those work and, uh, you know, would love to connect with other RevOps leaders or aspiring RevOps people out there. They want to learn and grow. I think for me, I love to to mentor and and help where I can. 
Um, and you know, I've, I've been given a, a lot of mentorship in my days. And so would love to return the favor. And how can one of our listeners learn more about Workato? Yeah, go to the website, you know, form, fill out something to learn, or just ask me, you know, if you want to, if you want to shoot me an email and ask and see where you want to apply it in, in, in your RevOps function or anywhere in your company, um, happy to connect you with the right people, but also share my learnings and be a part of that journey with you too. Well, it's so great that you're willing to be a resource. And I can think, can only imagine there's probably a million and million and one uses for Workato within RevOps. So uh, I'll be excited to continue to learn about those. Um, I'm curious, what are some resources or communities that you turn to, to learn more and continue your journey in RevOps? I think this podcast is fantastic. It's forums like this, where you can learn from other people doing the same thing that really matters. I think um, one thing I've kind of done in my career that's maybe not as formal out there is just, uh, you know, take people to lunch. So I'll just find, you know, I live out here in Utah. It's not a good good tech scene here. There's quite a few great tech companies, right? Whether, you know, Stivy or Lucid or, or Qualtrics or others, Podium. And so for me, I'll just, you know, ping somebody on LinkedIn or, or find a friend that works there and get their number and say, hey, you want to go to lunch? I'll take you to lunch. I've been doing that since I graduated. I was told uh, by somebody named Scott Paul that the best investment you can make is just lunches and take, taking people that you aspire to be your mentor and go uh, go take them to lunch. So for me, it's a $20 investment and I'm learning, you know, thousands of dollars worth of value from these lunches. And so for me, that's, that's where I go to learn. I think even when I go to conferences, when you ask about how I learned about the predictive scoring model, I was at an Anaplan conference eight years ago and there was somebody in RevOps at Tableau. And I remember just going out to lunch and talking and learned, learned a lot about the random forest model. So that was like my key in there. So I think taking people to lunch, you know, if I'm traveling, if I'm in the Bay area and I'm going to go there for Wakato, uh, you know, whether it's a, a, you know, a Warriors game that we'll go to and have a, a suite at, or it's, or it's just a, a, I've got an hour for lunch and I can go find somebody out in the Bay. It's a RevOps leader at a local company. I'll try and set up lunch. So I think that's, that's the way to go for me. It's just getting to know people personally. Wow. Such great advice. Um, and we're curious too, are, are there any other RevOps pros that you might think would be a good fit on the podcast? Any, any others out there that you're following or, you, you know, you, you track the, uh, the materials that they produce? Yeah, I think um, two people come to mind. Uh, BJ Larson at, at ClickUp is a good friend, fantastic leader. Would be really interesting now on the podcast. He played in the NFL for the Buffalo Bills and then got into RevOps after retirement, which All is- right, uh, That's got to be the most original RevOps <laughs> origin story. <laughs> yeah, for sure. And Yezzy over at Pendo. Um, Yezzy's fantastic. We've been, I, I just met her uh, here recently through Workato Connections, through our, our uh, VCs. And, and I've been uh, meeting with Yezzy over, over at Pendo weekly and bi-weekly. Another thing that I would do is just like, you know, ask around who are people at your private company, who, who else, you know, does your, does your board member really admire in the space in their portfolio? And you'll start to see who those all-stars are. And, you know, Yezzy came to mind and it was brought up. And so I just reached out and asked if we could meet, we met and, uh, and it's been fantastic to learn and grow from her. And so, uh, and now we got a biweekly sync going for 30 minutes and we get to talk about, Hey, how's your annual turn going? What, you know, what are, what are you doing over there? And it's really innovative and 
and we learn from each other. So uh, I think back to your previous question, I, you know, I, that that's another, another tidbit there, but I think those two would be fantastic for the podcast. So Cody, I want to thank you so much for being a guest today on the RevOps Rockstars podcast. I learned so much. I feel like you've shared about so many interesting topics from territory management to deal conflicts to your uh, your uh, love love of the outdoors and, and how you unwind from the uh, the insanity of, of RevOps. It's really been a pleasure to, to have you on today. Um, thank you so much for, for joining us. Thank you both. David, Jaren, it's been my pleasure. I appreciate it and uh, had a great time. And I also want to thank our audience for listening and um, soaking up all of Cody's gems. I got uh, some very actionable takeaways here, uh, you know, facing and calling up those disgruntled reps, have those conversations stay close to the ground, um, taking people out to lunch. I'm excited to do more of that now with your prompting, Cody, and also with um, thankfully COVID more in the background. Uh, and also things like asking your board who they admire um, in terms of execs and RevOps and building your network that way. I think our audience are probably going to be able to take a lot of these actionable items and incorporate it into their network uh, building exercises. So thank you. And thank you, Cody, again, for sharing such wonderful advice uh, for our audience. Thank you, both. And this has been another exciting episode of RevOps Rockstars. See you next time. Stay classy, rock stars. And that wraps up another episode. Thank you so much for joining us. For show notes and other episodes, visit RevOpsRockstars.com. RevOps Rockstars is sponsored by OpFocus. Visit OpFocus.com to learn more about how OpFocus helps SaaS companies scale their revenue operations. 